Human design is an amalgamation of several facets of spirituality. The I Ching, astrology, chakras, Kabbalah, all combine beautifully into one system. Mary Rose and Mary Letitia have been exploring their own designs for the last year. This podcast is an extension of that exploration. Come learn, laugh, and grow with us as we become Guided by Design. Good morning. Good morning, Mary. How are you? I am doing rather well. Uh, It's almost the end of September as we're recording, and tomorrow will be the 30th, and I will be celebrating one whole year of not having a full-time job. Oh, it has been a year. I know. Isn't that wild? (laughs) It is exciting. So then I guess the day after will be officially, officially my, my beginning. Officially, officially. Officially, officially, officially. I don't want to call it unemployment because it's not unemployment. It's just a different kind of, it's a different job. It's a different kind of work and it, but yeah, not working for someone full time other than myself, my family, our, our podcast. And it feels really good. It's been a really good year. I feel like this year has been the most peaceful and aligned year I've ever spent in my entire life. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Um, Speaking of which, that's Mary Rose talking. I'm Mary Letitia. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get really good about saying it each time so that everybody knows until until y'all are emailing us and telling us which one is your favorite. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) A whole year. Wow. That's, yeah. that's awesome. I and that means, that means that your birthday is coming up too. It's coming up soon and I'll be 41 and I've been definitely kind of thinking and looking at different options and ways between my husband's birthday in February and my birthday in December that we can go and celebrate that. And one of the things I was meaning to do is looking at the the Billings public schools where my kids go to school looking at their calendar and maybe even trying to work with in some of their time off so that they don't have to be going to and from school while we are gone. Not that we're taking them, but that's just been in my brain too. Yeah. Do you, you don't have any ideas on what you want to do yet? Oh no, we've taught, you know, I know my husband wants to go someplace tropical and I'm cool with that. But at the same time, I'm, oh, March. There's a whole week off in March. Okay. There's a whole week off in March. Spring break, probably, huh? And they used to divide the spring break. It used to be that they do piddly, a little bit piddly here, a little bit piddly here. And now they're scheduling a whole week, which will be good. So maybe that'll be the, the right time to look. And then if somebody were to help me manage my children it wouldn't In they wouldn't be going to and from school. exactly yeah that's exciting how are you i am good i am really enjoying this weather as fall has uh sprung on us 
Um, I'm having a hard time getting my temperature right. But at the same time, like I really love the cool mornings and the cool evenings. We got an evening walk in last night with the dog and probably about 45 minutes. And it was fabulous because it's cool out and everybody else is walking their dog. too. What? Was it windy down there? Um, oh, it got windy right as we were done and we were having oh, okay. so, It was crazy windy up here. So that's why I was just like. Oh, later in the evening, we had a fan in the window because it had, the house was hot when we got back from the walk or it felt hot because we'd been out in the cool. So we put a fan in the window and turned that on. And then um, later on, Josh had to go do something for Leo. And so I turned it off. And I'm just laying on the couch and the wind was blowing so hard that that fan was blowing straight in at me multiple times. Yeah, it, it was definitely, it was a blow and it was a going. Yeah, but we and didn't then, get any rain or anything out of it that I was aware of. Did you? Nope. I, I was wondering the same thing. I turned on my sound machine because I was having a little trouble winding myself down to go to bed last night. It may have been the cold brew I had at about four o'clock in the afternoon today. <laughs> Maybe, but I did go to sleep. And then as, as I was just mentioning before we started our recording that I did get good deep sleep last night. So, I mean, I can't complain too much. My, my coffee drinking doesn't bite me in the ass too badly. So what's been in your earbuds lately? Well, devoured the discovery of witches so far, um, as far as um, our calendar goes. So I'm like mm -hmm. eagerly waiting for the next day to read. Tomorrow, we get to read it tomorrow. <laughs> I I've been also feeling the same way. So, so in case anybody is interested, we, um, we, are reading this book called A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. I, it's, it is my favorite book. I love this book so much. I reread it every year. And um, it's, it's fun because she, there's a companion guide that I actually picked up um, when I first digitally purchased this book that is a read-along read with the book. And it is so that you can read it on the same days as that's happening in the book. It starts on September 18th and goes all the way through Halloween. And so it's so hard because the book is so good that once you read a chapter or read two chapters, you just want to keep reading. So this is like a little rationing system so that you can keep from devouring the book all in one sitting and have the fun of reading it along as, as it's happening in, and I use quote marks, time in the book, so. So my question, because I haven't done a lot of research on the book, when was this book written? Uh, I think it was like 2007 or 2009. Let me look to see. So it is kind of a recent book. Yeah, because I mean, she talks about cell phones and other things. So I just thought that that was interesting. Mobile yeah. phones. Mobiles, because Mobile. it's taking place in Britain. England. <laughs> in in England. England. So um, yeah, the book, I just, I was going to look it up really quickly because um. I loved the book so much and it's a part of a series and then the series itself takes place um, in 
different so it's it starts out in england it moves to new york there's oh it's actually from 2011 so it's 10 years old but i think that the story itself is like maybe 2009 because of of course there's like a difference between when it's written and when it's published but you're only 10 years old which it feels so much older but also very contemporary yeah Yeah. i'm really enjoying it um it's my first read listen so I'm listening to it rather than reading it and it's so hard to stop when they're like chapter nine like chapter nine oh yes I know (laughs) and it's yeah it's very descriptive it's there's science there's magic there's vampires I mean I, I don't know it's just it's been for me like this perfect amalgamation of all of the 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 shit I'm interested in like I've always been kind of fascinated with vampires I've always been fascinated by witches um, and the science and history elements just give me a major she bone. I just can't, I don't, I, I, I'm so pleased that I found this book and that I've, I've had a chance to read it as often as I have. Um, and nearly every single time feels a little bit like the first time, even when I know elements of the story, I'm still not 100% on how they're going to all um like the order of every single thing so yeah I'm I'm really loving it um how many times have you reread it I don't even have a count for you I don't even know how many times I've reread it because it like I said it's been every year for like the last three or four years I've reread it um I could look on my phone to see if I my phone because I read it digitally I bought it through my google play books um, and I actually almost stopped at the local, the bookstore up here in the Heights to get a physical copy, but I'm like, no, you're fine. You don't need a physical copy. You just loan it to somebody and, and you never get it back. Never get it back. Kind of like my, my issue of untamed. So, <laughs> um, any podcasts? Um, not really this week. I mean, I've listened to a few, but nothing that sparked anything interesting, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited about the book. And I actually sat down and wanted to like write a little bit. And I don't, I, I have no desire to j- journal lately. So I thought that that was kind of exciting that the book actually is is helping me like want to, because she is a writer. Mm-hmm. In the book, like it makes me go, oh, wait a second. I could, I could write this down. So um, I haven't yet. I'm just letting you know, but it's, it's yeah. at least gotten the thought into my head so that I could maybe start writing wetting your appetite. Yeah. I'm actually really proud of myself because I went and got myself um, a notebook that has like the, where you can circle the dates at the top. And I've been um, daily pulling my tarot and then journaling on the card and what kind of what the representation means for me and giving myself some recognition in there. So that's been, that's been the most consistent I've been is because of tarot I've been more consistent about journaling because I specifically am journaling about that. Interesting. Um, and how long have you been doing that? Well, I chose, I, I got, well, I've, I'd been doing it before this in a different notebook, but I went and picked up this notebook specifically and I started it um, right after the full moon. I actually held off a day or two, um, wrote down my cards in a, in the different notebook, but I didn't like try to journal, but this does have like a little 
at the top there's the months then there's the days so you just circle what it is rather than writing it and then there's a subject and so in the subject line is where i put the tarot then i usually because i go to the biddytarot.com i put like at the top what the representation of that card is and then i kind of just expand on it below so it's only a page um i don't go you know, that's nice is it does limit me. I don't like the idea of going into multiple pages unless I have a lot to talk about. I'll allow it. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, you know, just a couple takes a couple minutes. It's not taking too long. It's not a huge investment in time or energy. And I like having this written record of what came up, even though, you know, I'm the worst at actually going back and reading any of that. I was but, just going to bring that up. Yeah, Do you and, go back and look at it? I don't really go back and look at it, but if I ever do, I mean, that's the thing is I'll have a record of what I drew and then I can kind of ponder on what it is. Cause it really, it's for when something keeps coming up, like if a card keeps coming up, then I want to be able to go back and say like, how many times have I actually seen this card and what was happening? How did I, Yeah. It, was I missing something at that point that now I, I have more access to now? Um, and then it actually, because I've been doing so much of this work around the perfectionism that we've been talking about, I actually did go back and I listened to our episode 16 about the heart center, um, which I haven't done before, but then it's always like, I'm always amazed at how I'm basically, you know, those where it's a little, uh, what was I, what was the trying to remember how I put it, but it was like a little fortune cookie. Yeah. I leave little fortune cookies for myself where it's, it's just super funny that now that I'm going back and listening to it, I'm like, you know, I don't know why I haven't been telling more people about this damn podcast because I'll be damned. I'll be damned. <laughs> it wasn't just like spot on for what the research I was doing. Like I was, I was reaching, I was providing the research information for what I was researching. Like I was my own Diana Bishop in this That's case. why I had to point it out. I'm like, we have had the same freaking conversation mm -hmm. and it's recorded. Yep. And so it's so funny that when you can, when you pointed me back to it, I went and listened and I was like, Oh wow. I'm so wise. We're both so wise. <laughs> I'm a dummy that doesn't actually go back and re-listen to what we say. So I just have a hard time. Well, and I mean, it's it's a backwards motion for you. And I think that that is also very interesting to know that I am very, like, I repeat things. I am a repeater. And I didn't know this about myself until recently, um, that I do go back and I reread and I re, I mean, I've done it with our notes. I mean, through the years of our business and stuff, but um, I actually need that. It feels like a foundation for me when I can go back and I can revisit are fucking genius because we are, um, whether or not anybody wants to recognize that besides us. Um, we really do have fucking brilliant ideas and brilliant conversations and we bring the best out in, in each other. And so revisiting that for me just brings me back to our foundation, to our base, to why we even are so connected and are so close and are such best friends. So I, I really need that emotionally and I'm really excited that you got to go back and get something from it because of that. Finally <laughs> understanding. And I'm thinking like that definitely has to do with profiles because I think I'd sent you some information about 
profiles and that, um, you know, those, those things about, and you know, the, your line two is one, um, you, you're a two, four. And so it's like, I think that that really is kind of how you, I'm, I'm always moving forward. It's always like marching. I'm just a marching, moving forward towards the future. I don't really, I do look back, but it's really not with um, depth. It's more of a glance. I'm a glance back, not a, not a deep, deep looker, which is so interesting that I will reread this book over and over again. And, but it is, it's because I'm finding something. It's almost like I'm, I'm looking for something new every single time. I'm getting something new out of it every single time. That's what I was going to suggest is that you're actually getting something new out of it every time because it seems like that type of a book. It is. It definitely is. And then as you get deeper into the story and you read the other remaining books, it's, it's even more layered. There are even more layers. And because I take like a year between them, like once you get through with the first book, I'm like, I will devour the last two books at whatever pace I fucking want. So I don't three total. Actually there. And they did create a fourth, which is kind of like a, it's a, it's kind of, I wouldn't say standalone, but it's not necessarily part of the series. It's just, um, it's the story of um, Marcus. He's one of the, you haven't met him yet. Um, you will in the next couple of chapters, actually, you'll meet Marcus as one of Matthew's children. And so it's his story because he was actually um, a revolutionary war. Hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the cool thing is there's like going to be, that one's called times convert. Um, so there's a little bit of an extra level, but it's kind of, I guess, what we would compare it to is there's the four books of Twilight, and then they then they had that Midnight Sun that came mm-hmm. out about Edwards from Edwards' perspective. Blah blah blah. I know, you know. I never Steph- read that one. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer should be giving some some type of um, compensation to the tribe that she appropriated for her books. So I'll just put that out there. If you're listening, Stephanie Meyer, you should probably throw some money towards the. I don't know if it's pronounced Quilcene Kill but there the tribe that she used and then never gave any type of compensation to yeah she's oh, that's awful. yeah she's a white colonial mormon so what can we say yeah she doesn't know any better what can we say well she, she should, should now <laughs> she should now but much like i think with rachel hollis she will only do as good as she is needs to be and then not any not even an inch more so what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about authorities today. And the Actually, four- oh, we're talking about strategies. Strategies. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so Mary knows what we're talking about. This Mary doesn't. No, I really did have strategies in my head, but I didn't, like, write it down. So well, I had- there's, Yeah, it's so, it's so, <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Um, I, I quit you, and then you're like, oh. Ah. So yeah, we we say them all the time together, strategy and authority. Mm-hmm. So um, strategies are specific to each human design type, and they are really how we are meant to operate and move through this world. And each of them, each type has their own, and it's really important, I think, to talk about this because 
It is the, it, you know, as I said, strategy and authority are the foundations of our human design and living within alignment. So the better you understand what your strategy is and how that really comes into play, the better you are at being able to recognize your own behaviors, the behaviors of those around you. And also it, it does, it goes hand in hand with our authority. Once we know how we're operating in the world, we then also can better understand how we make our decisions in the world. And so I just want to be clear, the authority goes with the strategy. Like each authority has a strategy. Well, no, each type has a strategy. Each type has a strategy. And then our definition within our chart is what determines what our authority is. So you and I, because we both have our defined solar plexus, that is what that is what our authority comes from is that definition within the chart. That's the emotional authority that we share. Exactly. That is our Versus emotional our strategy is based off of our actual type. So because yes. I'm a generator, I have a specific strategy. And because exactly. you're a projector, you have a specific strategy. Okay. I just want to be clear and make sure all of our audiences. Well, that is, that is excellent because that really does help clarify it for everyone. And that is what's so fascinating is that someone that the authorities can be somewhat interchangeable. So there can be a generator that has one authority type or a different authority type, but your strategy is fixed to your type. So let's start with generators. Um, so do you know what your strategy is? Wait to respond. So, so waiting to respond. I've learned a lot about this. I feel like in the last year, because I am and have always been a very instant response person. So being able to take a breath and going, I don't really have to have an answer for this right this second. And being able to verbalize that to those around me has been super helpful this year. Um, going back in my history of just even jobs, like being that snap response and saying whatever is on the tip of my tongue is literally what got me fired. <laughs> so um, I think that that's interesting for me as, as a slight historian who likes to go back and file through all of my memories and all of the experiences that I've had and known like, oh, here's the time that that helped you out. And here's a time where you were not, you know, waiting to respond and, it really bit you in the ass more than once. I mean, I can, I can also remember very distinct feelings as a child uh, where I spouted off and said something that got me in some sort of some way. And I remember that emotional feeling um, of like, Ooh, that's, that's not something you should have responded to at all, let alone as quickly and smart ass wise as you did. <laughs> yep. I think, well, that's a, that's Jesus. That, that describes me too. I, I have that tendency to respond when it's not even my strategy. Um, and I think it's also interesting because a lot of times we kind of think of this as how we interact with other people, but it is also our environments. It is like when you feel that when your body feels a response to the weather and you want to say, go for a walk or go enjoy that, but your mind tells you, you don't have time to do that right now. You have to do, you know, there's a lot within the response system where 
we are overruling our body's response with our mind's response of saying there's no time you can't do, you know, there is a lot of like that push pull of not doing things that your body really wants and or needs because you're, you're the conflict with our brain. So it's not saying like you're turning your brain off, but it really, it, it is a matter of sometimes letting the body and, and the body tell you what to do and responding to that with doing that thing until it stops responding. And you'd brought that up in our, in that sick, in that heart episode is that, or maybe I did, I can't remember, but it was more to do with when, when you're done, you stop responding. And that's been one of the things that you had said was really hard about when you fall off of, fall off of a routine and it feels like quitting when in fact, it's really just that your body, that there was, that you're, you're done you've, you've responded. And that when the response is over, sometimes to keep pushing is actually out of alignment with you as well. Does that make, it does. It absolutely makes sense. Yep. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I just, I, I think a lot of it we kind of think is, is all to do with interacting with the other people, but it really, I think does actually come out to be just, you are always responding. And I, that was one of the most interesting things I read about, about generators was that you're never not responding or being given stimuli to respond to. And um, we see, as you were talking about it, there's a lot of reacting when you don't know that, that, that you can wait, that waiting is actually imperative until you get that, that body sensation that says, yeah, that, especially because you have a sacral, you have that defined sacral. So you will get a body sensation, a gut response that says, Ooh, yes. It's not like big decisions, but it's like, you want to go for a walk? If your body's saying go for a walk, you dumb bitch, then you go for a walk Mm -hmm. because your mind's going to tell you all the things that won't be getting done and how you don't have time. When in fact, you know, you're, you're going to have more energy for all that shit that you're going to need to do if you respond and, and do, do the walk when your body says to go do it. And I think that's part of why I go immediately to people, because honestly, with my body and in being in tune to like nature and the weather, I feel like I do pretty good. But that's also why I quit halfway through the summer. It's too hot. My body was like, it's too hot. You can't go out there. Yeah. Like, I just can't do it. And then with the shoulder injury, like it was also like physically, like you can't let that dog pull you um, in any form of way. So I do feel like that's why I immediately go to how I respond to other humans, because to nature, I'm okay to myself. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not as good of a responder. So my body says I need more exercise. If that doesn't include going and getting in touch with nature, I'm really, I'm really almost opposed to it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to have to go put them out in the backyard and do some yoga in, in the outside and see if that's part of what, what it is that my, my senses respond to is being outside to exercise. And obviously I can't do that 12 months of year, but I am, I am really bad at responding to myself my my own actual like self needs maybe mm-hmm. how I 
can say that. I think that that's a very good observation and that it is, there's a lot of shoulds like, oh, I should exercise. That's the brain telling you, yes, you should do this because it's good for you. But at the same time, it's like, but you know, it's, how does that look? How does that look? Does that look like going outside into the backyard and, um, and doing some stretching, not even, and I feel like there's so much of this emphasis on doing an actual like routine or something like that. And it's like, no, it can just be stretching. It can be laying in child's pose. I mean, that's one of those things. It's like, if you spent just even five minutes laying with your arms outstretched in child pose and having your, your not even downward dog, just child pose, it's still more for your body in that kind of position because you are still getting a slight inversion because you are still, you know, your butt's higher than your shoulders. If you can, you know, if you're kind of sinking in right. And, you know, there's still, I think that that's the thing is that we put a lot of pressure, our mind puts a lot of pressure on what it should look like and what it should be and how long we do it and how um, effective it should be. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be any of those things. Um, and in the summer, it is really a matter of doing it earlier. I mean, it's really a matter of if it's too hot, then it's if your body feels that need to get out into nature, it's like, well, you're going to have to get out earlier and really hit that. But you've worked so much this summer. That's also the difficult thing. <laughs> yeah. And I had to be to work at five for so many Your work at five really. Summer. And, and honestly, our neighborhood's just not safe enough to go out at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Um, frankly. If I lived where you lived, I'd probably feel a little bit different about going uh, I don't out. know if I'd even, even really feel Yeah, I don't know. Even yeah. even when I lived in the country, 3.30 in the morning is early. Early. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the time that all the spirits are still out. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on. We'll move on to projector because I'm worried that we might have to do this in two parts. Um, <laughs> Not like we- us. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're so chatty. Um, but for the projectors, the strategy is wait for the invitation or wait for recognition. And this was the very first thing that I learned about human design that felt like, whoa, whoa, no wonder I've always felt like, A, I felt like shit when people don't recognize me. I've always, you know, there's a lot of worth tied to that recognition, but then it also, because of so much of what I do within like the, um, with Beachbody specifically, it was feeling like, oh, no wonder the way that other people work and be successful doesn't work for me because that is, you know, the, the, the big thing is they talk about running your business and doing it the certain way. And in fact, it's just, it's the the opposite of the way that I operate. And I've had to really sit with that feeling and know that just because I'm doing it differently and I don't see success the way that other people do, I've never been, I've never cared about ranks. I've never really even cared about making money. That's, that's maybe a deterrent is if people base their success on making money, um, I'm not successful, but I do base my success off of people that I've helped, the results that they've gotten, not even physical results, but what it does for their spirit and their self-esteem to gain credibility back with themselves. That is huge. And so that was for me a lot of 
the wait for the invitation is I've stopped initiating so much with people. And that may have put me in the position of looking like a real bitch to people in my life. And I've given up caring if that has made me seem like a bitch to people because the people that recognize me and invite me are the people that get the best of me. And if that isn't someone who knows me and wants to spend time with me, that I think I've talked about this before, like hearing I miss you is the most don't tell me you miss me. You don't have to. All you have to do is recognize what I bring to the table and then invite that into your life. That's it. There isn't a need to miss me. If you, if you, if you know that this is my guide and I don't even have to guide people. Like that's the thing. I don't have to be constantly guiding people, but when I'm invited, people get the best out of me. They get my full attention they get my time. I've really stopped um, working within groups. And I feel like that's actually one of the reasons why it's been so much different dynamically between us is that people have invited our guidance, but I work better one-on-one with people. I just do. And um, Mary gives such a wealth of knowledge. And that's been actually great because when, when we do work together, she becomes like a, a foundational touchstone. She is the person that remembers all of the previous conversations. She is the person. So it's really like, I have to be very careful what kinds of groups I'm in. And I almost have to have Mary there with me as a, as my, as my touchstone, because otherwise um, I just feel it. The, the energy just doesn't feel like it's like, it's what it should be. I don't know, know the best way to put it, but it just, it, I definitely will see that, Um, I love my conversations that I have with people one-on-one. Like that's actually where Mary and I love to do this podcast is because even though we're broadcasting this to other people, it's a one-on-one conversation. And that's just, I'm a penetrating aura. So that's where I can really only penetrate one person at a time. (laughs) 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 You penetrator. (laughs) Sorry, that made me laugh a lot. Um, I love love you one-on-one too. I think that that's where you do shine. And that's why we work so well together is because you really do. It's like, um, how do I, how do I say this when we're in groups? Cause we've done really fun, exciting energy work within groups too. If we look back, I know you don't, but I do. Um, when we were having those coffee dates and we had, you know, there's a couple of those coffee times where we had all these people come in and just the conversations were so good. The energy that came out of those was so good, but the way that I feel about you and your, um, your guidance is like when you're one-on-one, it's like getting a full shot of you and your energy. It's like getting um, like full sun rays on me. And when, when we are within a group, it's kind of like, it's so spread out. You know what I mean? That just sprinkles of you are falling on everyone. And I think that that's the difference. And I think that you see that difference in people and in people's energy is that when, when your sun is shining on me, I am glowing and I am 
shooting out ideas and helping, you know what I mean? We're doing this thing that is, is so progress oriented. And when we're in a group, there's little sprinkles of that. And you see little tiny things blossom here and there. But instead of getting the full ray of you, I see where your, your one-on-one is definitely more beneficial. And I think about, so the coffee dates were one example. And, but so the difference, like when we work with a group that has invited our energy, Mm -hmm. like when we worked with um, the, our wonderful friends at the vet clinic, you know, that was, that was very invited. And so we were able to really get energetically grooving. The thing about the coffee dates is, is that some people are coming to those with ulterior motives. They're not coming with openness. They're coming with a motive. And that was really like, I found myself oftentimes and Mary could sense this like a, like a, like a dog smelling um, someone's blood sugar going low that I, when I would withdraw, when I've withdrawn, and sometimes I do that just because I also need to, I need to be in listening mode because if people aren't inviting what I have, I, it is, it's important for me to be like, okay, pull back, hold back because you're not going to be recognized here. And any amount of energy you spend is going to make you bitter. And so I have to be aware of that and say, okay, well, if you're not here for what we have to give, if you're here because you want to network, then that's what we were doing. We were offering that as a network opportunity. But then I had to be aware that in those, in those places, in that space, sometimes it was imperative for me to just be like, okay, I'm not here for this capacity. I just need to make sure that I'm being protective of my, of my energy and my um, gift and not just give it away to everybody. Cause that's what I do. Typically I'm a, I'm a giver aware. Um, the other thing that I noticed too, is that if people are not um, open, that they tend to retract. And we talked about this also in the heart episode of my eagerness and my, my force, the force that comes from my ego center, my heart center, my willpower center that um, because it is one of the motors is that when someone isn't open to that, it's almost as though I can see their, their retraction. And that makes me go, I wouldn't say hostile, but definitely on a more of a, a defense Defensive. on a, I'm going to defend what I have because obviously if you're repelling it, if you don't want it, then I don't want to overgive and end up pushing people away even further. Um, And I've noticed that dynamically within my life of, and it's just, it's so much a part of the process to release, release that, release those people, release that any animosity or bitterness I would feel that someone doesn't want my gift um, it is really, it's, it's easier to say than it is to practice, to release and say, you know, if you don't need it, that's cool. Cause I feel like everybody needs it. I feel like anyone that doesn't want it is foolish. And that's <laughs> my own ego. Maybe that's my own ego right there <laughs> a little bit, but, um, you know, getting into a practice of being grateful for those that do want it. And being really vocal about thanking those people and saying, I really do appreciate that you invite 
me to the to the table because you know without that invitation I would be just at home all the time. <laughs> My friend Morgan took me and we she thanked me for something I did this summer and I made sure during that interaction with her I was like I just I want you to know how grateful I am for the last 15 years of your friendship because you know we don't have to be together all the time we don't have to talk to, uh, to each other the you know the same on the same level that Mary and I talk to each other for me to be able to say that um she recognizes me she recognizes my gifts she knows what I'm good at she invites that when she needs it and the rest of the time if she doesn't need it that's okay that's that's fine there's no i get enough recognition when we see each other that it doesn't you know, it's not like something where I'm like, why doesn't she want more of me? Because guess what? I've always been a little self-centered that way. I've always thought that people should want more of me than what they're getting. And it's always been, again, another root of my bitterness is being able to say, well, you're fantastic. And if people don't see that, it's not, it's not on me to prove, prove it to them. I'm also really spiteful. So then I'll like spite, have fun out of spite, like go and do things because, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes my spite fun is so necessary for me to not feel bitter is to, for me to be like, people don't want me, then I'm just going to go have fun on my own out of spite. And I, it doesn't make, it doesn't make the fun any less just for the record. <laughs> well, that's good. That's really good. <sighs> so, so do we, we think we have to talk about the other two or do we need to make this a two-parter? Well, I think that we can because neither one of us are a manifester. We're not going to bring our own flavor to the, to the other two. I will have to go make sure that my children are awoken here very shortly. Um, manifestors, their strategy is to inform. And it is really important for a manifester to inform before they take action and especially inform people that are going to be affected by the action they plan to take. It's not asking for permission. It is just basically, like I said, strategy is how we move through the world. If, um, if a manifestor says they're going to do something and they inform the right people beforehand, then they are going to, especially people that are affected by what they're going to do, they will find that um, they, the resistance is lessened and they may get input. They may have, you know, it's not necessarily to say they're not asking for permission, but if they can um, really resist that urge to be closed to suggestions from other people, they might find that they can be more successful with a little bit of feedback. So it's also not to say like, don't be a dictator about it. You can also be like, well, here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm informing you. I'm not asking for permission, but you know, as with an invite, you know, if, if, if a projector is the one that they're informing, it's important for the projector to say, I'm not being invited to give my feedback. I might need to ask if I can give it. May I, is it, are you open to my feedback? Are you open to, can I, can I give you, are you open to my advice? And if they're not, respect that. They, and, and let the manifestor do what they're going to do. Guess what? If they're open to your feedback and they take it and it helps them, great. If they're not and you give it anyways and you end up bitter and they f and, and something goes wrong, 
you know, it's not, it's definitely energy, energy dynamics are not going to be improved just because you forced your opinion and then you turned out to be right. <laughs> <laughs> Is this something you've proven before? Um, maybe a time or two. Um, but I just, I'm, having known a few manifestors, it's really one of those things that I've had to also get really used to understanding that they don't want the same, they don't need the same kind of accountability that other types do. Um, I, and, and that it's not, I don't take, I try not to take that personally. Let me say, I don't take that personally. I try not to take that personally. Um, but it's just understanding dynamically that they're different and that's okay. And that they don't, once they say they're going to do something, it really isn't a matter of me following up with them. They do it. Like my Katie is very much a, when she says she's going to do something, she informs and then she, she does it. Unlike me who might inform and then not follow through. Like, I feel like that is very much our type is um, we say we're going to do something and then we don't do it. And then we feel like our word isn't very stable. We don't have a lot of integrity in our word. And it's because really our job isn't to inform. Our job is to maybe take that action, feel invited to take that action but not necessarily feel that we have to tell people we're going to do it because then we, we worry. That's always been something in my own feelings is like, if I say it, then it makes it true. And sometimes that is more pressure than not saying it and completing it and being like, okay, well, do I need any recognition for this or do I just feel good? Do I give myself enough recognition for it? Self-recognition is important for a projector too and not enough of us do it. So my question is, manifestors and manifesting generators, are they different? They are. Yeah. Well, manifesting generators are still a generator strategy. Oh, okay. So So they're responding. They're still responding. um, But they just have a little bit of a difference because of their definition in their throat is that they don't really have the, the piece of where they say it. And that's the thing is a manifester has definition in their throat. They have no sacral. So they're not responding from the sacral. They're really almost like the, the pieces is that informing comes from their throat. That is where their power is coming from is through their throat. I guess my question is just because I happen to glance over at Emily, she's my manifesting generator. And in, in her strategy, instead of waiting to respond, which is what mine says, hers just says to respond. So I guess that was my question. Is oh, there- are you, if you're in my, if you're in my body graph, then it just says to respond. You'll, yours will probably say to respond as oh, well. Right. They just don't do the weight piece of it. Um, unless I think for, for invite for projector, it'll be, so your strategy is to respond. We say to respond, but it's, you know, to respond to everything around you. Okay. Um, Okay. Just getting clarification there. Yep. And so, yeah. And then I kind of thought that the manifestors were to initiate, which is some of it, but really it is because of their throat. It is to inform those who are going to be affected by the initiation of what they, what they plan to do. Um, and with manifesting generators, they're still a generator. They're still, they have all of the operating of a generator. They just have a throat definition that kind of gives them that ability to, to create things through speaking them out loud and 
speaking things into being is something that that is almost a trait of manifesting generator. That's why I'm really excited that my husband keeps talking about this idea for starting a business is the more that he is talking about this, the more he's not asking for my, you know, yes, exactly. Is like the, the likelihood that rather than saying it and it not happening, the more that he speaks about it, the more excited he tends to get about it. And he's responding to that. So it's almost like he's responding to his own, his own, speaking in a way like Mm -hmm. so that's really interesting and then reflectors it'll be really easy because their their strategy is to wait a lunar cycle so wait that 28 days 28 days (laughs) and um it, it says i was just reading something from a website and i'll i'll if you need this information it's from a woman named vanessa not vanessa vanessa henry and she talks about like taking little bites, little bites throughout the month and then filtering those. And I think that that's, you know, a great way to describe what a reflector does is that they are sampling. They have a sampling aura and that sampling is what allows them to digest and then reflect back what they've digested really and um, because we don't know very many and we know that they're out there, but they're very much a very small percentage of the population. Um, yeah, I'd love, I mean, that's the thing is I'd love to know more from a, from a in, informed and aligned reflector about how they move within the world and what that lunar cycle looks like. And it, I think it just kind of feels like a little bit less pressure to constantly be waiting for someone else um, and just waiting for yourself in a way. Interesting. So the ones that you know, do they stand out anyway as being more intuitive or, or? I wouldn't, I only know one and I would say I wouldn't, and I don't want to say this like in a derogatory no, she doesn't stand out, but um, no, I think that really, I think most people that are a reflector don't necessarily, I, I wouldn't know if they feel like they're a little different within the world or if things feel particularly harder or easier for themselves. Um, but I think kind of what I do know is that, you know, just looking at that one situation is that they kind of attach themselves to a person that maybe was a little bit of a narcissist and didn't, and then, you know, that, that creates a lot of that, just like with anyone, it doesn't even have to be a reflector. When you attach yourself to a narcissist, then you tend to wonder what's wrong with you. And I think that that, that particular individual really tried to make that relationship work for a lot longer than was probably healthy which a lot of people do, but I think that that might've been the one observation I would make is that um, they weren't sampling from enough auras that were maybe healthier auras, auras that were in, in alignment with what they should be doing in order to say, you know, especially when you're kind of living or in a partnership with someone who's a narcissist, that might be the aura that you're getting the most of. And you need to not be sampling so much of that. You need. And that's because they're open, right? Because they're totally open. And so whoever they're around, that's what they're channeling or feeling as far as that goes. 
Exactly. Okay. They're amplifying it. So they're, you know, if they're, if they're with a narcissist and they're amplifying that, and it really tends to, I think it creates almost like an echo for a reflector. It's like, imagine holding a mirror in front of another mirror and how you can see deeply through all those mirrors. And if the mirror you're holding it up against is a narcissist, it's like a black hole. Yeah. Okay. So they need, they need that other good energy to be able to help reflect. And I think that that's the thing I would say too, is I noticed that that person did have a lot of really strong friendships and relationships and people that would say like, you're with somebody that's not good for you. You're with somebody who doesn't make you feel good and that that's, that's not right for you. But when you've hitched your pony to a particular wagon, it can be really difficult to, to disentangle, especially when there's, you know, other elements of the relationship, like children, that mm -hmm. really becomes another piece too, is that you don't want to unhitch when you think that you're going to be doing a disservice to your, kiddos. to your, to your kiddos. Exactly. So, all right. Well, I feel like we, we got through all four of them. I'm very proud of us. And my son just uh, opened my door and waved to me to let me know that he's awake. I'm going to have to go wake up my daughter now too. Is there anything else you want to add or integrate into our discussion about strategy? I don't think so. I think it's interesting. I think, like you said, it's one of the first things that you can feel once you learn about human design. I do feel like if you can, if you can get in tune with your body and really um, start to feel your own strategy, that it is um, the easiest way to start that alignment. Oh, okay. And I would say too, just uh, touching on reflectors, they have a lot of gates, they don't have any channels. And so they are very affected by the transits of the heavens and what's going on in the universe. So a lot of times they may be getting activations in their gates that um, tend to make things seem like they're getting definition at certain times of the month. So that was just one thing I kind of had forgotten is that they're very affected by the transit, which is why waiting 28 days is so, so important. Cause they're going to feel all the pieces of that. They're going to feel all the pieces of that. Interesting. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Wrap it on up. Yeah. We thought with this is only going to be 30 or 40 minutes, but we're ridiculous. So we're never going to make that kind of promise to ourselves. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if you join us next time, we are going to be starting in on the, the, the authorities. So we're going to be discussing authorities over the next few episodes and then we'll do another shoot the shit. Cause that was really fun. Yeah, it was. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.